Juan Nicolón. Hello. Give me a name. <laughs> Edwin Stanton. Welcome to Give Me a Name, where a guest presents me, Ben Kirschenbaum, with a dead historical figure they find interesting, and we discuss. Showing gratitude for the Union victory at Gettysburg, Abraham Lincoln established a national holiday declaring, I invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. So happy Thanksgiving, no matter where you dwelleth. George Templeton Strong, who is a diarist and lawyer, said of Edwin Stanton, he was honest, patriotic, able, indefatigable, warm-hearted, unselfish, incorruptible, arbitrary, capricious, tyrannical, vindictive, hateful, and cruel. So you got, you selected someone here. What a complex man. <laughs> I do love complexity. He's, he's hot and cold. He is the Katy Perry of the Civil War. That's what they said about That's him. what they said about yeah. that. Look any of the biographies. Uh, Edwin Stanton was the Katy Perry. That's true. Lincoln <laughs> is much more of a T-Swift. And 100%. Just prolific. Oh, great with diamond. words. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, very emotional and in, in touch with himself. Yes. <laughs> he's the opposite. He was the opposite of Lincoln. Right. Lincoln used to call him, uh, jokingly, his Mars. Yes, Mars, as in the god as of war. As in the god of war. And that's because Edwin Stanton was Lincoln's secretary of war. Exactly, during the Civil War. And he was one of the masterminds behind Lincoln's war strategy from 1862 till the end of the war. So Stanton yes. is not the secretary of war right away, yeah. but he takes the job from a guy named Cameron, who is kind of a corrupt... Uh, Pennsylvania man. <laughs> is that I don't want yeah. to. I don't want to start any controversy, but uh, he came from there. Yeah, well, it's a fun yeah. fact. I don't. Know, I, fact, are you yeah. are you suggesting there's a link, or are you? I'm saying that Pennsylvania people, you got to look out sometimes. That's <laughs> what they I say. It's what they say. I don't know much about America, but I know that. That's what they told <laughs> you in Uruguay. The <laughs> first thing when you go to America, don't go to Pennsylvania. Don't go to Pennsylvania. Forty nine states are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pennsylvania is a rough one. <laughs> Yeah, Quakers love it, but that's it. <laughs> so no offense to Quakers, no offense no, no, to the Amish. No, 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 or, no. Uh, or the Big fan of the Quakers. <laughs> so speaking of Quakers, Edwin Stanton's father was a Quaker, yep. but then he married Edwin Stanton's mother, who was a Methodist, so he had to kind of abandon the Quaker religion. That and Edwin correct. Stanton would go on to be a very religious guy, but he was kind of Episcopalian. Yes. Born December 19th, 1814 in Steubenville, Ohio. His father was a successful doctor yep. who was a staunch abolitionist, which is important because Stanton, for his whole life, is an abolitionist. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't call him an abolitionist. I think he was more like an anti-slavery guy in private, more than external conversation. Right, because he was part of the Democratic Party, which was not like really well known for his anti-slavery at of, that time. Right, but but he in in letters he was abolitionist he was m like anti-slavery i would say but in, he was caught many times when he was you know smooching with other uh, democrats he he has been quoted like saying uh, making fun of abolitionists and making fun of just the whole concept of 
Right. Uh, so, so to jump ahead a little bit, the yeah. Republican Party is the party that is formed in the 1850s to stop the spread of slavery, not abolition, but to stop the spread of slavery yeah. to new territories in the West. The Democratic Party, which is their rival, is the more pro-slavery group. They just have a lot of factions. And Edwin Stanton was a member of the Democratic Party for his whole career, whole career. before joining Lincoln's cabinet. Yep. And Therefore, as you said, he would be more inclined to be sort of more part of the pro-slavery group, except for, like you said, behind closed doors because of his upbringing, yeah. most likely religious upbringing, father, anti-slavery. 100%. Yeah, once he, he joined the, the, the Republican Party, his views were more, I feel like, external. His stands both in like policy and like in, in conversation were like definitely more pro-abolition. And, and it's reflective yeah. of a lot of guys at that time, Lincoln yeah. included, where if you yeah, catch exactly. them in the 1850s, they might sound very different than oh, they do boy. 10 years later. You don't want to catch Lincoln early on. You don't want to catch him. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yes, tragedy strikes Edwin Stanton a bunch of times in his life. The first one is that his father dies when he's only 11 years old, yep. and the family goes immediately from being pretty well off to being completely destitute. Yep. His mother has to work a few odd jobs. She sells medical supplies, books, and stationery and groceries. And Edwin has to go to work. He works at a bookstore for a little while, and he's very bookish right away. Yeah. Apparently not a very good bookstore employee because no. he's reading... Oh, most of the books, yeah. yeah. That's what people used to say. <laughs> and he tries to make his way out of this situation to study the law. He goes to Kenyon College... And he's not wealthy enough to finish his stay there. He's only there for a little while. Studying the law is kind of different at this point than it would be today. There's not really law schools. You just have like apprenticeships and sort of learn it on your own. Yeah. And slowly, he's able to make his way into being a successful lawyer. Yep. A very successful lawyer. Yeah. Huge. Huge. Huge and, guy. I mean, and oh. we can talk... <laughs> We could talk a little bit about some of the major law cases that he has before he ends up becoming a yeah. big political figure. He he was a, a very well known around the the Supreme Court circuit. Yes, yes. Because he a lot a lot of the stuff ended up there. And he was a very showy sort of performative yeah. lawyer. One case that he was a part of was called McCormick versus Manny, and this would be in 1854. So I'm jumping way ahead, and we'll yeah. go back in time to talk about some of his personal life. But it had to do with patents about some machine that harvested oh, crops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The key part about this case, along with being a premier case, is... Please, Huge story. Yes. That Lincoln was supposed to work on that case. Lincoln was asked to prepare some deposition or to work on the case, and there was a mix-up, and by the time that Lincoln went to Cincinnati. Yeah. So well, by the time he went there, Stanton was part of the legal team replacing kind of Lincoln. Right. And Stanton was a very dismissive of this uh, rural lawyer. This Illinois... This Illinois nobody. And he was very dismissive because he's a, he's a very temperamental man. He's a, he doesn't hold any punches. <laughs> and he could be very dismissive. And he was very rude to Lincoln. Apparently calls him that damn long-armed ape. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. So this is 1854. Yeah. And by the time Lincoln dies 11 years later, Stanton is Lincoln's biggest fan. Oh, huge. And, and both ways. Yes, they admire each other. Yeah. But... This is how the relationship starts off. It's kind of a cute 
like full circle and it tells you more about lincoln than it tells you about standard but standard i mean i feel like uh, also had a turnaround but the but the grace of lincoln to just incorporate him just because he knew he was very talented is uh, why he's such a legend you mentioned that he was a temperamental guy and a very very serious guy yes in fact in the movie lincoln which i rewatched yes one of the lines that the Stanton character, it's not like a major role, but it's one of the yeah. roles. And he gets pissed at Lincoln for getting into one of his stories. Oh, yeah. Lincoln was famous for telling stories, often funny stories. Yeah, yeah. And Stanton is like a no bullshit guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like quit with that, with that stuff. His temperament, though, is possibly built on the fact that he experienced so much tragedy in his life. A lot of tragedy. His first wife has a daughter with him. Yep. The daughter dies after a year. Yep. They do have a son that goes on to live. Then the wife dies very suddenly. Very suddenly. His brother has some sort of brain disease that uh, causes him to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know at that time, but he probably had like some mental illness. Yeah, and then... And he cut, like, because he was a doctor too, and he uses the scalpel to kill himself. Oh, it's rough. And he and Very Stanton rough. was there. And Stanton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or came there after the event happened. He saw happened, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is very reminiscent of what will happen Later on with Lincoln. Yes. Spoiler alert, Lincoln <laughs> dies at the end. <laughs> You're right, Lincoln dies. Both Lincoln and Stanton. Yeah, Stanton, Stanton dies at the dies end of the, the story. End too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Huge spoiler. <laughs> so all this tragedy, his sister dies at a pretty young age, yeah. and that might help explain why Stanton is such a serious guy, maybe why he's such a religious yeah. guy. There's even like more stories of like hardship. There's a story where there was like a, I think it was like, I don't know, one of those fevers that come and like wipe half of the town. Right. And someone very close to him dies, and he, he died so fast. The person, like from the moment they got sick and, and died, that they buried him right away, and like they, they were burying people very fast too, so they wouldn't spread the disease. But he went temporarily insane a little bit to the point that he asked someone to help him, basically take out the body, because he believed that that person was not dead. And of course, the person was uh, well, super dead. <laughs> that is it a was, yeah. It was Mary. Yeah, it was Mary at the casket. She was. It was more than that. So, but he went like he went. He went cuckoo for a little bit too. He also goes a little cuckoo after his wife dies, and apparently he's like running around the house in the middle of the night, screaming her name. That is correct too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Screaming her name is like yeah, yeah. And in any case, even amidst all this tragedy, he does remarry a much younger woman yep. and remains married to her for the rest of his life. He has the McCormick versus Manny case, which is a big case. Another big case that he has is called the State of Pennsylvania versus Wheeling and Belmont Bridge Company. That yeah, actually yeah, happens yeah, yeah. a few years before yep. McCormick versus Manny. Another one that goes to the Supreme Court. Yep. And this one has to do with that there's a bridge that's built over the Ohio River, and Stanton's side is saying that the bridge is too low, that it's going to block some of the ships with yep. the big... Uh, with the big what yeah, poles, yeah, poles. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Just oh, no, it a yeah, very yeah, the, the, the thing gesture. where like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the thing they have the sail on. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Um, or the guy at the top looking and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that thing. Everybody uh, knows the the pole. The fun thing about this case is that when he was arguing it in front of the Supreme Court, he actually has a ship destroyed to kind of prove, prove his point. His point. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, but also like, and that, but that case lasted ten years because they kept like changing the rules. Like it, the the back and forth was terrible, and he ended up losing that case. And the the bridge still stands right. to this day. And it was an important bridge because it connected kind of the first big U.S. road. Yeah, and it was important for that connection. The problem was that Stanton side, who lived in Pittsburgh, didn't want it because they thought it would prevent a lot of trade from yeah, coming yeah, into yeah. Pittsburgh, and they didn't prevent anything no it was totally fine it was all good the final court case that i want to bring up because oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah this was a good one i think i know which one it is yeah yeah yeah. in 1859 a congressman named daniel sickles killed in cold blood philip barton key who is a u.s attorney from dc and philip barton key that last name is familiar because he is the son of francis scott key yep. who wrote the lyrics to the star spangled banner that is correct so kills him and he kills him because he slept with his wife yes so so that is the argument yes that he like the thing is like he killed him Millie, like people saw it everybody saw it it was in the middle of the street lafayette square in dc in, in dc everybody knew stanton argued it was one of the first cases that was ever argued temporary insanity I think it was number one. Oh, number one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe number one. Yeah. Uh, Because he said that this man uh, lost his mind because he was being cheated on. He was uh, getting the horns and... uh and he couldn't get it. He saw red, and he was justified to kill his wife. That's uh, exactly his, what it was. Guy. He basically argues that because his wife cheated on him, that's breaking up the family structure, yeah. and you oh. more or less have a right to kill someone... <laughs> in the middle of the street. Yeah, it was a self-defense case. Right, it, right. That, that's how it was argued. Yeah. So he wins. <laughs> and he wins. It was a different time. <laughs> so he's able to take that case. That case, again, is right before Lincoln gets elected. Yep. Lincoln gets elected in 1860, shortly after Lincoln is elected in the period where... So James Buchanan is the Democratic president yep. before Lincoln. And... After Lincoln is elected, but Buchanan is still president, so before Lincoln's inauguration, Stanton is made Buchanan's attorney general. Yeah. Briefly. Briefly. And you start to see that Stanton, we talked a little bit about his slavery stance, he is very, very much a unionist. Yes, 100%. And and against the rebellion in the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he even got to a point, and as direct as he was, because when when the Fort Sumner situation started uh, happening— yeah, he told Buchanan to his face that if he gave up the fort, he was going to be remembered as Benedict Arnold was at that time, as a big trader. That's like, and he was the president. He had no problem like speaking his mind. Yeah, and Fort yeah. Sumter in South Carolina, basically the Southern rebels are, are trying to take it over. Yep. And the question is whether Buchanan is going to keep the military there to prevent it from happening. Yep. And Buchanan... His instinct, it seems to be, is to be very, to bend over backwards for yep. the most part. And Stanton is one of the people in the cabinet that says, said, no, no way. No, you- no, no. This is a federal property and like we have to preserve it. Uh, and that was like the, ended up being the fire starter of the Civil War. Yep. And the, that was the first conflict. After Lincoln does, after the events in Fort Sumter earlier on, yep. soon after South Carolina secedes, other states follow, Jefferson Davis is made the uh, president. president of the Confederacy. Lincoln gets inaugurated. He officially becomes the president in March. And then in April, fighting begins at Fort Sumter. Yep. And you've got the Civil War. Exactly. So 
And uh, Stanton, very critical of uh, Lincoln the first couple of years. Yeah, so Stanton doesn't hold a position after attorney general for a little while. He's yeah. just a lawyer again. Yep. And he thinks that Lincoln is handling the rebellion terribly. A hundred percent. He says like he's, uh, he's he has no aim. He has no understanding of what's going on. I think he called him, might have called him an ape again. <laughs> just, that was his go-to. <laughs> That's his go-to to him. He had and, no other. Uh, I don't have any other. <laughs> <laughs> so Stanton is... One thing that we got to say about Lincoln's, well, first of all, so Doris Kearns Goodwin, who is yep. one of Lincoln's contemporary biographers, wrote a book called Team of Rivals. Yes. And the reason why it's called Team of Rivals is because Lincoln put in his cabinet rivals, people, yep. three people, actually, that ran against him for the presidency. Yep. Seward, Chase, and Bates. And Stanton, even though he didn't run against Lincoln, can be considered as part of this category because, as we said, he was a Democrat and kept calling him an ape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he he was very dismissive to him in the trial, too, many years before. Right. Yeah. So, again, we're talking about, I, I don't mean to just make no. this into a, you know, kissing Lincoln's ass. Hey, I mean... He deserves it. Yeah, he was unbelievable. <laughs> he did great things. Yeah. He was a cool dude. Big fan of Lincoln. But it takes a certain amount of security in order to put your rivals... Oh, yeah. That guy had a big dick. Yeah. You know Lincoln had a big dick. Well, I, I, just looking at his dimensions, it would have been weird <laughs> well, if he did it. Yeah, but in proportion also. <laughs> in proportion. So he yeah, had yeah. a big dick even for a 6'5 oh, gangly... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's impressive. That's I mean, impressive. That's, yeah. 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 Just because proportionally... Like, it could be normal, you know? It's just like, but the, the arms are long, so the dick is long too. But I don't want to talk too much about Lincoln's diet. No, right? let's, get, let's continue. I think we had a good 10 minutes <laughs> in here. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just think, like, he... Talk about big dick a attitude. Yeah, that big dick energy, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, big dick energy, that guy had it. So he puts in these rivals, and it's impressive because it's people that will largely disagree with him. But it's also impressive because... Lincoln was a congressman for a couple of years, 10 years earlier. But for the most part, he's a nobody. Nobody. He had some famous speeches against Stephen Douglas uh, debates. Yeah. He made a couple of famous speeches, one at Cooper Union, and he was able to get his way into the presidency. But compared to Seward and Bates and Chase, uh, Bates oh, and yeah, Chase, yeah. He's, a nobody. He, he's a lightweight. Yep. And yet he's willing to put these people who have much bigger reputations, who thought that they should have been president, right next to him. Yep. And... The other thing, though, is that on a practical level, it makes sense because he wants to make a cabinet that represents as much of the union as it yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very important to him. He, he wanted to make it not a Republican uh, war, but a union war. It's a war for like, so, is, so that's what Stanton is important to be part of the cabinet later on because he wanted a Democrat. So to make the impression that this is a war for everyone is not just political. Me and my cabinet represent the country. Exactly. These other people are terrorists. They're exactly. rebels. They're rebels, yeah. In 1862, in the winter of 1862, Stanton is nominated to become Lincoln's Secretary of War. And yeah. he is friendly with Cameron, the guy, kind of an advisor of Cameron, the guy who came before. And again, Lincoln nominates him for the reasons we said, that it's yep. going to represent more of the country, and also Lincoln's just a guy who puts in people that disagree with him. As and long also as he knew that this man was very competent. Yes. He, he knew, like, like Lincoln, during that trial that, that Lincoln was kind of like dismissed, Lincoln didn't went back home and just like sit around. Lincoln stayed and watched all the arguments from that trial. 
even though it's like you know like the biggest case that you could have like that could change your life and then you lose it and then like the guy is like says like you know what i'm still gonna watch it right and he stayed and watched the whole thing and he was very impressed with stanton from then on because he realized oh this guy really knows what he's doing in the doris kearns but goodwin book it also says that they offered lincoln compensation even though he didn't argue yeah yeah, yeah. and he turns it down the first time and then they offer it again <laughs> and he's like all right yeah, okay i'll yeah, take I'll the money, take the money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so winter of 1862 stanton takes over the war department we should also say secretary of war position that doesn't exist anymore it's kind of, it got broken up and then put back together again. I guess you would say Secretary of Defense is the closest thing to it no. nowadays. Yeah. He has control of the War Department, which he immediately directs differently than it was done before. First of all, he appeals to the Senate to stop appointments of military officials until he could review the more than 1,400 individuals up for promotion, basically ending like a spoils system. You're going to earn the job that you it's got. It's all about talent in the military. Then two really key things that he does is that he kind of consolidates the railroad companies and the telegraph system oh, yeah. across the North. Yeah, he could have nationalized if he wanted because the, the country was at war and that, that was like part of the powers that they had. But he believing in the, in the American ideals of a free enterprise grabbed them all and said, okay, we're not gonna take over completely. You guys are still going to remain in control. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to do it. And you're going to charge me a low price for it. Exactly. Which and is a brilliant is. way oh, of yeah. taking control without taking control. Exactly. And it's going to be useful throughout, especially when it comes to sending troops to different areas. Yeah. It, it's he, crucial that, that he controls these different aspects uh, yeah. of the army. And, and uh, like, I don't want to jump ahead, too. But like one of the biggest accomplishments of his tenure as Secretary, Secretary of War was the Tennessee Troop Movement, which was, I don't remember exactly the year, I'm very bad with dates, but but it, it, it was like on the second half of the war. Yeah, in um, the uh, kind of uh, September, October 1863. Yes, in, so, Ch in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah. And Chattanooga was being defended by the Union, and there was rumored that, that a lot of people were going to go and take over so he devised a plan he woke up everybody every every member of the cabinet they woke them up at one in the morning like send them for them like everybody came to the war department and he had a, a talk with them and says like okay let's do it in a week i think we can do it and he was smart because he already prepared all the numbers and calculations before and but pretended at the time that like he was going to do them at the time or he was asked someone and like he played a little bit of theater or like right uh, and like was successful in doing it very successful and like flawless execution like he stayed up a full week sleeping there and to determinant of his own health and they moved it and uh, to the time it was the biggest movement of troops in history which is unbelievable and it yeah. that ends up chattanooga in 1863 is a big union victory helps ulysses s grant in the West is kind of making his name as he goes on. Chattanooga yeah. is another big battle where he's working his way towards being the head of the army. Yeah. To backtrack just a little bit to the beginning of Stanton's tenure as Secretary of War, he is known largely for kind of cracking down on, well, traitors if they are traitors. Well, that is the flip of the coin of this man. <laughs> because this man was a was a coin. He had a good <laughs> side and a bad side. And he like if as good as he was 
in a lot of things, he was definitely uh, a little bit, uh, well, you said it, he was vindictive, he was arbitrary, and, and he was a little bit loose with civil liberties. Yes. And Lincoln in general's administration was very much criticized at the time and even now for doing things like suspending habeas corpus, yep. which is basically not allowing someone to have the right to go in front of a judge. Yep. And they would do that at various points throughout the war. Eventually, they get congressional approval for it in situations where they felt like it was necessary. Yeah. And Lincoln famously said, and I'm paraphrasing, basically, I'm going to take away this one right so that you have the freedom to have every other right that you have. And Stanton used it a little bit too liberal. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple cases where he did this that I'll just kind of go over briefly. One is in the case of a guy named General Charles Stone. He was a distinguished graduate of West Point with a long army record. And there was a claim that Stone had inappropriate communications with rebel generals. They accused him of returning fugitive slaves to Maryland masters. And so Stanton arranges to have this guy Stone arrested and to be transported to Fort Lafayette and kept in solitary confinement. Stanton like leaks this information to the newspapers that their charges or something like that, but never presents formal charges to a military court martial. So Stanton basically keeps this guy Stone in prison for <laughs> half a year and... Congress finally forces him <laughs> to release it, but uh, Stanton denies Stone the chance to redeem himself of the on the battlefield. So yep. basically, I mean, he's imprisoning people without, no, yeah, without a trial and like, yeah, <laughs> uh, had, yeah, no, and also no remorse. He didn't have, like the guy was saying it. Can I please have a court martial? And the guy would not respond. And I guess it's all in the name of, you know, these are rebels. We're not. We. I mean, it's basically he's been compared to Dick Cheney. Uh, he has, yeah, I've heard the comparison. Yeah, there's a bit of a we don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Although it again gets really, really loose <laughs> throughout. Yeah. In 1862, Stanton decreed that anyone engaged uh, quote engaged by act, speech, or writing in discouraging volunteer enlistments or in any way giving aid and comfort to the enemy or in any other disloyal practice against the United States was subject to arrest and trial before a military commission. So you can use this for anything. Yeah. Yeah. If you if if you, if you don't like you, you're being indeterminate of the union and you're going to jail. One more case that I'll talk about is this guy Dennis Mahoney. Mahoney was the editor of an anti-administration newspaper in Dubuque, Iowa, and Stanton issues this order about discouraging volunteer enlistments. So basically, he imprisons Mahoney. Again, same deal, not giving him, you know, trial or anything like yeah. that. The Democrats later on respond by naming Mahoney as the candidate for Congress, and Stanton's response was to leave Mahoney in jail until <laughs> after the election. The guy's running for, for Congress <laughs> while in like, jail, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of a cute thing that later on in the year, Mahoney published a book about his prison experience, and he dedicates the book to Stanton. <laughs> oh, I, I remember this now. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yeah, that's a very nice touch. It's like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not very liked. He was not like a liked guy. No one said, you know who's cool? <laughs> Stanton. No one said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even saying it myself. But, uh, but he, was, he was a rough guy. Uh, he had like uh, fits of uh, anger and like vindictiveness and like, yeah. The guy he really 
butts heads with, not originally, but later butts heads with, is McClellan, who McClellan, is for sure, who yeah. is the head of the army for a little while and then gets demoted to different positions. Yeah, and Stanton has a role in all of those demotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't like it. Other one that didn't like it at all. Like him at all was Gideon Wells, yes, the Secretary of the Navy, who is reportedly, if you go and see his diary, his personal diary of that time, almost every single night there was a comment towards how much he hated Stanton. One person who Stanton had a very nice relationship for a little while was Chase, yes, who was the he was the Secretary of Treasury, Secretary of the Treasury. And, and then, then he had some bouts with Lincoln, gets booted out, and then he's made a Supreme Court justice. And Chase and Stanton, before the Lincoln administration, have one of these relationships that are actually pretty common for the time, where it's not a gay relationship, but the letters that they write each other are very romantic. That's, uh, I think that was the time. That was the time where like people were like very affectionate over letter. And Buchanan, of course, was most likely gay. But Lincoln had a similar... He was a bachelor. But I think that it was somewhat known, this might be apocryphal, oh. but I think it was somewhat known that he was gay and had a gay lover. But Lincoln also had a relationship similar to the one that Stanton had with Chase. Yeah. He had many of those, but like one in particular, because men used to sleep in the same beds all the time because there were not that many beds. Yeah. And like, <laughs> right? There was like, uh, how many beds there were there? So they haven't built all the beds that they built now. Like it's in a fucking log cabin. Exactly. Yeah, what it's do you a log get? cabin. What do you have? Like, you it's, like, it's a bed. It's like, okay, let's share the bed. Yeah, a small bed. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a twin. It's pretty, yeah. Oh, it's probably a twin. Yeah. yeah. Like, Lincoln is a big guy. Needs, uh, uh, so, like, yeah, that was a, a man. Men do, used to do that. I just find it interesting because if you you look at some of the letters that they write each other, it really yeah. is beautifully written. Oh, yeah. And it's like my heart pounds yeah. with, uh, with the thought of uh, spending more time with you, my love. No, they don't that know. That pretty good off the cuff. <laughs> Thank that you. Was, yeah. they don't, I don't think they said my love, but like they, they used to use the, that kind of language. I think they dropped some L, L words. Oh, L mm, uh, like yeah. maybe L Yeah, yeah. I, w I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> some L word there. We can fast forward. Everyone knows what happens in the Civil War, that the North eventually well, does no. come out uh, uh, on, on top. top. And in April 1865, the war ostensibly ends, but also on April 13th, Abraham Lincoln, well, first of all, he invited Ulysses S. Grant and Stanton And to Seward. No. Did anybody do Seward? No, Seward was in bed. Yeah. Seward was in bed. He had an accident. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he invites them to go to Ford's Theater to see a play. Lincoln, of course, is shot at around 10, and it's a larger conspiracy yep. because the conspiracy led by John Wilkes Booth, a actor at the time, the reason why it was Booth who went to the theater to kill Lincoln and not to do some other event that night is because people knew him around the theater. Yeah, he and had a full access, yeah. Booth's conspiracy is to kill Lincoln, Vice President Andrew Johnson, and Secretary of State William Seward, the guy who's supposed to kill Johnson backs out, but the guy who's going for Seward does not back out. No. He is unsuccessful in killing Seward, but he scrapes his face with scars that... Yes, he, he stabs him and like four other people in the house. Including Seward's son. Son who ends up dying. Yes. One, yeah, yeah. But uh, like he, yeah. And like a bodyguard and like he made a mess, yeah. Stanton hears that... Seward has been attacked, and then later he hears that Lincoln's been attacked. He first goes to Seward's place that night, yeah. 
And then he is at Lincoln's deathbed across the street from the Ford Theater. Apparently, after Lincoln dies, it is Stanton who says the famous words, now he belongs to the ages. Yeah. Although it's not totally confirmed he said that. Yeah. I like there's historians say that the first time that that appeared in any publication was 25 years after. And apparently that might be like who an, knows? a history embellishment. Right. But what is known is that immediately while Lincoln is dying or right after Lincoln is dying, Stanton gets to work. Oh, he doesn't wait any time. Locks all the bridges. No one gets to go out. Everybody gets investigated. He brings people to take uh, notes from the witnesses. He is on it. He leads the manhunt. And for a little while, I mean, yes, Andrew Johnson is going to be sworn in as president. Stanton basically runs the country. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And... He eventually, they do crack down on the conspirators. It's easy to forget that Booth got away. He got away, yeah. And he's finally tracked down and killed a little less than two weeks later. But he, you know, jumps onto the platform. He might have broken his leg or something. But in any case, he's able to get away. But Stanton leads the manhunt for Booth and the other people involved in the conspiracy. Again, the (laughs) the trials of these people are not exactly in line with the Constitution. No, no, no. Uh, they, they were like behind locked doors. They're, they're, they're fairly sketchy, yeah. All and the they happen de- fast, too. And all of the defendants that they try are found guilty. Mary Surratt, Lewis Powell, David Harold, and George Alzerot all sentenced to death by hanging. Mary Surratt, who was the one who owned the home that a lot of the conspirators would, would meet in, has the uh, dubious honor of being the first woman hanged in the history. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> well, good for her. <laughs> and break, then, the, break the glass ceiling, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the final chapter to really talk about with Stanton, after he is the leader of the manhunt to get these guys, is his role as Secretary of War for Andrew Johnson. And that led basically to the first impeachment in the history of the United States. Yeah. Now we have the impeachments all the time. Oh, it's now like, we... Oh, it's like we impeach, impeach, impeach. <laughs> we had two for the last guy. It's like, oh, we're, but back then it was the first time that happened. Yeah, back then we really... Yeah, it was we, like, you know, having said that, I mean, this impeachment was a stretch in terms of... It was, it was both a stretch and a little bit of a force too. It was both a stretch and a little bit corrupt in both ways. So Andrew Johnson was a Democrat yep. who... Runs with Lincoln for Lincoln's second term. Again, the idea of uniting everyone, Democrats, Republicans. This is a new, bright future. Of course, Lincoln gets killed shortly after his second inauguration, and they didn't plan on Andrew Johnson being president. No. Andrew Johnson is popular at first. Yeah, everybody liked him. North and South. North and South, big fans. Things start to turn when it becomes apparent that Andrew Johnson is much more lax about what the South should do after the war. Yeah. Particularly with, the issue about what should we do with the troops. If the troops should stay as an occupation army or if they should be removed. Stanton believed, based on, because Stanton was, uh, basically had the telegraph office at his uh, war department. That's how, why he became so friendly with Lincoln because they would spend all the time there. And he would get all the reports of the murders and the rapes and all the lynchings that were happening back then. So he was very determined that to prevent that, the army had to stay in occupation. 
Yeah, so Stanton wants things like the Freedmen's Bureau, yep, and which is going to help educate the recently freed slaves, uh, provide education, provide clothing, and he wants civil rights for African Americans in this area, and he wants military troops there to ensure that this process goes as smoothly as possible. Yeah, there are riots uh, going out. The two probably most famous riots in New Orleans and Memphis around this time, and the. Republicans, particularly the radical Republicans, who are the ones that are the sort of most, I guess we would call it now progressive yeah. with, with regards to slavery, they start to realize that Johnson is not their friend and try to find a way to get him out. Yeah. And the way they get him out is like they passed a resolution that no member of the cabinet can be removed without the approval of Congress. And Stanton and Andrew Johnson started fighting a lot about all these issues. And at one time, Andrew Johnson asks Stanton to resign. And Stanton says, uh, I am not. And, <laughs> and then Andrew Johnson basically fired him. And he, Stanton said, well, you're not allowed to. So he, lock, he literally locks himself up in the War Department and sleeps there for the duration of the impeachment trial. And Johnson gets impeached, as you said, because this recent law prevents him from firing a secretary yeah. of war. The rationale, I guess, behind it is that Congress has to approve of the cabinet. Therefore, they also have to approve of you removing someone from the cabinet. Yeah. And Andrew Johnson is impeached and almost removed from office. One vote. One vote. Yeah. And they say a lot of those votes were bought. That's where the corruption a little bit happened. Apparently... Apparently, allegedly, <laughs> if you follow the money, a lot of those boats were bought to keep him in office. To keep him in office. After Johnson is able to stay in office, Stanton does leave. And he, we should also say that Stanton was kind of a sick, sickly person his whole oh, life. Yeah. Terrible asthma. Terrible asthma. And, but also, his tendency to overworking himself just basically make him like a feeble man. He's already very sick at this point. He does campaign for Ulysses S. Grant in 1868. Grant appoints him to be a Supreme Court justice. But not immediately. No, no, no. He appoints him later, like he makes him wait because uh, he was also a little bit annoyed by his personality because Stanton would send orders to people lower in rank than Grant when, like, the... The chain of command is like you tell Grant and Grant does that. And he would skip Grant a couple of times and Grant did not enjoy that that much. <laughs> so he make him wait for the seat. And like finally he appoints him to the Supreme Court. He gets immediately uh, approved. And before he can serve, he, he dies. He dies. He dies December 24th, 1869. He's only 55 years old. but 55 years old? Yeah. Does nothing. <laughs> I'm almost 40. Are you really? Yeah, I'm 39. You look fantastic. Thank you very much. Is <laughs> uh, all the soup. <laughs> so I want to ask because, I mean, yeah. you're, you're a guy from, from Uruguay. Yeah, I'm not from here. This is intense American, you know, <laughs> Civil War history. Yeah. Uh, why, why did you choose Edwin Stanton? I don't, all the know. People, I don't I mean, know. But you chose, I mean. I did choose him. I, I'm do, I mean, yeah, I'm fascinated by that period of time. Yes. I honestly, and this is very embarrassing to say, I know more about American history than Uruguayan history. 
And uh, is that because of studying after is, school? Is yeah, because everything I've learned, I've been reading here mostly. I will. I, I wasn't like a history guy. I became one when I was here. Just like I started getting interested, and and and, and now I'm. I'm is, I've been reading a lot and like listening to a lot of uh, stuff. Why Stanton? I mean, I don't know. Like I, I, I think he is an example of how I like how I mean I have a tendency to like assholes <laughs> right like I like assholes a little bit more than what I should like meaning find them interesting or? I I find them interesting but also like I find them useful you know it's like I and I respect because assholes can get a lot of things done you know I like to believe I am an asshole but I don't get things done. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you like Which to is believe? The, is, that's what I like to believe. <laughs> that's that's yeah. your ideal vision of yourself? <laughs> no, that's not, maybe it wasn't the best phrasing, for sure. But I, I think I am an asshole, not a successful one. But So I like assholes that are good. And by asshole, you mean someone who... Who is moody or like who can be very assertive, or who can be... Yeah, like who, who would put the end goal over people's feelings like i relate to a lot of those things from this guy that makes sense and also to the there definitely is a soft spot to him oh yeah he, for sure and you know it seems like he was someone like lincoln who every night grappled with and meditated over the fact that they were partly responsible for thousands of people dying. 100%, yeah. He wasn't a callous... No, no, no. He wasn't callous at all. And also, he was very honest, very fair in many ways. Not not, all, not, not when he got... When he see red, you... But, but for example, like, there was one of the big battles at the beginning uh, in the West that Grant was kind of involved and, in, like, I don't remember exactly which one it was, but, but all the newspapers were saying that the the victory was mostly attributed to the work at the War Department, and he went out of his way to just, like, send a letter to everyone saying that this is all on the generals. And he, he was, like, very humble, and, like, uh, when it was... He was fair. He was a fair guy. And that's also reminiscent of Lincoln. Lincoln yeah. would... I mean, Lincoln's the ultimate example of someone yes. who would... If if it was a success, would spread that other people did it, and yeah. if it was a failure, he would he say, would "I all, did." It. Yeah, but like, but he was a likable man. Yes, I wouldn't call Lincoln an asshole. No, Lincoln like would be considered the, the opposite, and they are opposites in a lot of ways. They they're are and they're truly opposites in yeah. appearance. Oh, in appearance and in the way to talk to people. Yeah, and like in in a lot of ways. But I feel like that's what it's important about, and I think I like Stanton also, like as a. In the present, we're going through a moment when, I mean, I don't like, I feel like assholes, people are too quick to dismiss certain type of assholes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we, like, some assholes are okay, you know, let, like, let, let them be, a, you know, I, they, they can be useful. Right. As long as there's a Lincoln on top. Yeah, you need them. the empathetic person, but yeah. you also need the person behind the scenes yeah. who is working 20-hour days. Yeah. And, and right. 
Well, yeah. Juan, this is so much fun talking oh, to you about Stanton. I'm, uh, are, is there anything you wanted to plug? Or I don't have much stuff. Like Insta- my Instagram is Juan Nicolón. I upload like stand-up videos there all the time. Your stand-up videos are hilarious. Uh, there are a few you. bits in particular that are it's, some of my favorites. Mostly about soup, but yeah. The soup stuff is great, but you have one bit about... Uh, oh, I, I don't want to give away the ending of it, oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> about the titles of movies. The titles really of movies, great. Yeah, um, in any case, thank you so much for being oh, on. Oh, thank you for having me.